0: You're listening to Between Two Bridges, a business-to-business podcast. With your hosts, Anthony Destiny, Joe Feriani, and Jerry Kenna. Interviewing entrepreneurs, business operators, and investors. This episode of Between Two Bridges is sponsored by Paymark Payroll. Payday is the most important day to your most important people. And payday is made easy at www.payyourpeople.com.
1: We are here with another episode of Between Two Bridges. I'm your host, Anthony R. Destiny. To my left is the man of the hour, Jerry Ferrani, the guy that writes the checks, Jerry Kenna, and our latest guest, Mr. Brian Mara. Hello. Hello. How are you, sir? Good, guys. How are you? Not too good, bad. Good. Um, so just to kind of catch us up, um, obviously bringing on entrepreneurs and business owners in the area to kind of learn what makes them tick, kind of the... Their, life experiences how they got to where they are uh so just from the bio sheet obviously son of jerry could you talk about him a little bit my father yeah great man yeah what's he do Oh, my
2: father he's been uh he's been in logistics his whole life okay worked for many different trucking companies and currently works for a broker But my dad's been in sales his entire life.
1: Got to be good at sales for logistics. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, he's taught me a lot. He's taught me a lot about uh, sales and marketing and uh, mainly how to read people and adjust your way of doing things around them.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. And Carmela?
2: She's uh, she's a saint. She holds the family together. Uh, She uh, comes from a strong solid roots of Italians. Okay. Yeah, so it Mars so, Italian. The, oh yeah, we're all okay. we're 100% yeah, Alrighty. but my mother she's uh she holds the family together. Still yeah. has the, still has the Sunday dinners and free-
1: favorite, the, favorite yeah. recipe. You got to have some.
2: Well, you know, my grandmother who yeah. made all the pasta and sauce uh yeah. my my mother has duplicated duplicated her ingredients and right. making the sauce and the pasta so yeah we still get that on a sunday and it's a it's a sunday treat yeah i
1: grew up in highlands graduated from highlands
2: i did graduated in 1997 from highlands high school
1: okay so that's before cell phones right um you know what it was right <laughs> <laughs> you, had it a, was, you had a beeper right
2: there so i did have a i did have a beeper yes yeah. and uh transitioned into you know the bag phone and then uh yeah, yeah. eventually had the Motorola flip.
3: Yeah, the bag <laughs> phones were legit. Yeah. Like, you really knew somebody was on top of it.
2: And they worked everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, they were amazing.
3: Better than today's
1: phones. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then uh, what do we do to the, What do we do we for fun these days?
2: Uh, these days, I'm uh, really trying to master the
1: game of golf. Oh. Yeah, so I've been the playing a lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been
2: playing a lot. Where
3: do you normally know play?
2: My league's on... Uh, Thursday nights at River Forest. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I getting real serious. Took seven years off. Um, I've been in the league since I was probably nineteen. Took seven years off to coach T ball. Yeah. And nice. then became very active with my kids in sports and cheerleading and so not to miss their practices and games, yeah. I gave up the things I enjoyed too.
3: Mm. We might have to edit that out. On the, I
2: don't yeah. think I'm going to let my wife take, me yeah. take 70 years <laughs> off to do those things. But I no, you know. The game
3: is not where I want it to be right now, and that's you know, a big part of it.
2: So. <laughs> no, but you know what? Uh, as a father, you don't want to miss those those times. Right. So, Yeah, so I – and you know what? Again, going back on my parents and my father mm. um, especially, never missed a practice, never missed a game. So to keep that tradition alive, I had to follow those footsteps, so – yeah, so now my kids have to live up to it.
1: Yeah, there yeah. you go. There you go. <laughs> I wasn't
2: gonna be the one to uh, break that streak, you
1: know. Yeah. No, just kind of the elevator speech. So it says here, President at Mara Enterprises Inc. Yes,
2: yeah, so uh, Mara Enterprises was created uh, back in well, we incorporated back in 2001. Okay. And so I'm going back many years, which doesn't feel like it. Feels like <laughs> yesterday I was signing those. Uh, papers, right? But uh, yeah, so we incorporated our company. We've always had businesses under Mare Enterprises. So Mare Enterprises was the parent company. And then we had, I don't want to call them spinoffs, but small other little companies underneath that.
1: Yeah. So graduate in 97, started this in 2001. What'd you do after high school?
2: Uh, so after high school, um, I, I come from a family that preached about going to furthering your education, go to mm-hmm. school, get a good job and the company will take care of you, right? No. Well, I learned early on that that's not always true.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> I was a little bit.
2: Yeah, you know, you know what you know what's changed it all for me when um, I met a guy actually at uh, at a grocery store down here in Harmerville. I don't know why we start talking, but I was buying bags of chips and soda and we start talking about business for some odd reason. Okay. And he told me about this book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and uh, was written by Robert Kiyosaki. And so, you know, after talking to him, I got pretty motivated. I'm not a book reader. Went and bought that book at a bookstore when those existed and uh, read that book. And it changed the way I thought about money and work and school. I had, um, during high school, I started a uh, pressure washing business and I was pressure washing and then friends of mine um, their father had uh, back in the cell phone days business-to-business sales right so um, one of the companies he sold for was Sprint so I was selling cell phones and had the pressure washing business while I went to Robert Morris and I was spending more time on the phone conducting business than I was participating in school activities. (laughs) activities. <laughs> so, um, you know, at, at that point I realized school wasn't for me. I, I could not wait to get out. And to be honest, I never finished, but it wasn't my fault.
1: Yeah. It was, your
2: fault. it was not my fault. I thought I graduated because Robert Morris, they gave us these cards to fill out. Are you, uh, you know, are you going to march? Are you grad, you know, when you graduate, are you marching? And we had to fill out the questionnaire on gown size and all this stuff. And, I put no, 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 no. (laughs) You know, I wasn't going to march. I'm not, this isn't for me. Well, here, I never got my diploma. So about six to nine months later, I called the school and they said, well, you never graduated. So what do you mean? I filled out the card. You said I was graduating.
4: Four years.
2: Yeah, I I, I served my time. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I paid my money. Yeah. And uh, here I was short three credits Uh. for an elective. And my senior year, I think I only had maybe two or three classes. And it was a breeze. Why I didn't, or why I wasn't told to That's take this got, yeah, other elective, yeah. So, being the business guy that I am, I tried to make a nice donation to the school <laughs> okay. in exchange for three credits. Yeah. They uh, wouldn't go for that. Okay. So I, um, I, yeah, so now, yeah, I never ended up getting those three credits, so I never got my diploma. Mm. But uh, my goal in life was to uh, make it in life without having those degrees, to be honest. Yeah. I didn't, uh, yeah, I wanted to be the opposite of what everybody else was doing. So uh, it kind of worked in my favor.
1: Okay. Yeah. How did, what did the parents think at this time?
2: They... Um, you know, they thought I was crazy, I think. With, uh, <laughs> but they, they always knew I had I had an entrepreneurial. Yeah. It was in my blood yeah. from when I was a kid, you know, from selling candy at school out of my backpack to...
3: Grew up in an Italian family also, and my grandma would always say, "I could tell at a young age you could sell an ice cube to an Eskimo." That mm-hmm. was like her thing. She was like, "You could, it's just so uh, like you could see it in kids, you know." Sure. You know, when you're, you're wearing T-shirts for selling the most hoagies, and you, but, know. you know what? You're,
2: well, I went to Catholic school for a while before public school, and we used to have all those fundraisers, and I, you know, they'd give you the the prize magazine or prize booklet or leaflet, whatever whatever it was, and I would just go to the back because yeah. that's where that's where the big prizes were. And all I want, my goal was to have this black and white portable TV. Yeah. <laughs> and no shit, did I get that damn black and white portable TV? I got like three channels, but just that that candy. baby was that baby yeah. was mine. Did you tell your parents that you never graduated from Robert Morris, or
4: did you just yeah, come no, around with it? No,
2: they knew. Oh, okay. Yeah, they knew. Um, but the, the thing was, though, man. I mean, at the time I graduated, I had uh, I sold my pressure washing business, and I had two cell phone stores going. So. Okay. I mean, it got to the point to be honest. I was paying people to do my work at col- in college. Yeah. So, it, it was like Rodney Dangerfield back to school where he had he was paying people to write his reports. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, I had people in the computer lab typing up my stuff while I was making deals. So, what were the yeah. cell phone stores? So, one was in New Kensington and the other one was up in Natrona Heights. Okay.
4: Yeah. Cricket stores.
2: Well, at the time, it wasn't Cricket, because Cricket came out in 01. Okay. Um, but I was selling WorldCom, oh. if you guys remember that. <laughs> yeah. So World, yeah, WorldCom, VoiceStream, Nextel, and Nextel, Sprint. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And prepaid cards oh. for, the, yeah, for the ones who couldn't pass the credit check to get a cell phone. <laughs> And and in, would, in those they locations,
3: would unfortunately, there was probably a lot of prepaid cards going
2: out. Uh, you, there was a lot of prepaid cards. Okay. And then when Cricket came out, that was the whole reason they they came out. Because their motto was, instead of paying your cell phone bill after you used it, you paid before. So it was prepaid. So instead of having mm-hmm. a prepaid card, you, paid, you prepaid the month before you used the phone. And they would give you unlimited minutes for a limited area. Okay. Yeah, but those things sold like hotcakes. Yeah. Hotcakes.
3: It's like a... Pun now forever that I've always heard is people be like, ah, "What are you on a Cricket phone?" You know. Yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, <laughs> but they did well, and then they got in, they got
4: out. Mm-hmm. So, They're still around, uh, really?
2: uh, Yeah, AT T bought them. Okay. Yeah, about a year or two after I sold my stores. <laughs> yeah, because we didn't uh, we didn't get residuals off those, and then when AT T bought them, then the residual program came out, and they pre and they paid you retroactively for all the phones you sold that were still active. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! So the guy who bought me out. Reap the benefits of all the phones we sold for years. Yeah.
3: Well, he's not sitting at this table, so. Uh,
2: No, no, he's sitting. Maybe maybe we can get him. Yeah, Yeah, you know what? He's a bad. He's a badass guy. Yeah, you you would love to talk to him.
3: So, um, I recently found out that there's a big difference between Natrona and Natrona Heights. Growing up in that area, did you experience that at all? Um.
2: Yes. Yes, I. trying to be politically just where I tap? ask <laughs> <laughs> no, you say something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the big difference is just like any other old town is Natrona was a mill town. Okay. And then from what I know the executives from the steel mill companies lived up on top of the hill.
1: The heights,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. The heights. So that's why they called it the that's heights, loose. yeah. Based on what I was told, somebody could yeah. jump on here and correct me if I'm wrong. It'll be in fine. the comments. It'll be yeah, in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, it, you know, if you look down at Toronto, it was row houses, and I'm sure just like any other mill town, you had probably company stores and everything else. You know, it was just the way things were ran back then. But that is the um, the time where. The grandparents, when they come over from Italy, they all worked in a mill or a mine. And yeah. you worked there. You you bought your food and groceries from the local stores. And eventually, yeah. you hoped the company would take care of you, right?
3: Yeah. Or you owed them a lot of money and you just kept working. So
2: That's it.
1: It's 2001. You're, what, 21? Are, you, are we drinking legally at this point? You're getting incorporated? What is that? 2001. Summer, right?
2: Yeah, it was somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah it was probably 21.
1: Okay. Yeah. And then uh, we started what? Unflooded?
2: Uh, no, actually, that was during that was my cell phone era. Okay. So I had the cell phone stores up until I got bought out in two thousand and eight.
1: How many employees did you have at that
4: time? Oh, we had thirteen. Okay. Somewhere across around the there. two stores. Correct. Yeah. yeah. How many did yep. you? You had several more <coughs> than that in '08, though, when you sold. Employees. Uh, stores. No. No, no.
2: I had two. Oh, you only had two stores? I only had two stores, and the only one that, uh, his name was Bruce, that bought me out, the only one he was interested in was the New Kensington location, because it was the, I think it was the third busiest busiest cricket store in the Pittsburgh market. Okay. Yeah, and he owned, I think he owned the number one store and the, and the fourth. And the second one, I think, was corporately owned. Yeah, so he was after mine. So, But you know what? Um, He was after my store. But it was at the time where other carriers, we called them the grade A carriers, Verizon, AT&T, they started coming out with unlimited plans. So here in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, well, why would anybody want a cricket phone?
5: Yeah, if right. they
2: can go with an AT&T or Verizon phone, get a wider coverage area, and have unlimited minutes, so in my mind, I thought Cricket was dying, dying. Oh. Yeah. So it was either sell while the irons or Straight sell while wa- irons strike out. while the irons hot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sell while it's good or ride it out. Well, that was one of my mistakes because it was. Yeah, and at that time, Cricket was offering me two or three of their corporate stores because they wanted out of the retail. They didn't want to manage them. They wanted the store owners to take them over. Okay. So I was offered these other stores and I didn't take them. And yeah, so if you guys were going to ask me a question on one of my biggest regrets, and that was it. That was, well, that was one of them. we just that Yeah, you crashed that Yeah, that was one of them.
1: You talk about that decision a little bit. Obviously, there's finances involved, but you're probably talking about changing your whole life, right? You've been in this business since high school, and now you're talking about cashing out.
2: What, what No 08?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, you know what? I um, I didn't I didn't have a plan. Yeah. And you know? that was the worst part because I was 20, 28, 29, okay. and um, I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have anybody to talk. Real business with, you yeah. know, and.
1: So what we do? It, we go to Vegas. Or like, no, <laughs> you no, 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 this I money? Just, no. I no, just no, 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 no. I out. didn't.
2: I didn't. I I actually, like I said, I was. You I married was, at this point. Yes, I was. Okay, yeah. So, so married and uh, married with uh, my daughter, okay. and uh, she she was I don't know. Two and I think my son was on the way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. It was, a, it was a tough decision because my wife because my wife and I worked together at the cell phone stores and is that where you met? No, no we, we actually grew up together. <laughs> oh, all yeah right. so yeah. We, we've known each other since we were 11. Okay. Um, but we worked together and our thing was we wanted to, her to be a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. So I had to be the breadwinner and the provider so it put a lot of stress on me. So when I sold the uh, cell phone stores, it was the greatest time and worst time of my life. Because I had no plan, you know, I had I had nothing that was in concrete in front of me. But nobody ever has anything concrete in front of them. But at least you would still have a, some sort of plan. I didn't have a plan, and I was just. Uh, and you asked me the question. What I well, I didn't go to Vegas, but what I was doing, I was buying some real estate, and I was trying to get into the flipping world. And that that was great and all. We bought some properties, held on to them for a little while, but. Still wasn't my passion, yeah. you know, and I was still trying to figure out who I was and what I wanted to do. Um, but that eventually went into, let's see, 08, 09, we had the, the economy tanked.
1: Yeah.
2: And um, uh, since my dad was in trucking, uh, we were talking about starting a trucking company.
1: Was it doing well was it in that time? or did the, the Trucking industry? It, yeah. Was it?
2: Uh, so as we were talking yeah. and trying to put this all together, the trucking industry was going under all across the board. Yeah. It was a big fallout. Yeah. So here I am trying to start a trucking company and not the best. Everybody time. else going out of business. <laughs> yeah. Which hard to, yeah. Get,
3: hard to get funding.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, of, of course it would have been, but yeah, it was it was just it was a tough it was a tough time. Um, but I did end up uh, buying a small packaging store called Going Postal. Okay. It was a franchise. I was I was actually running out of running out of options and I thought, all right, well, right, I'll just bring this in. They're, uh, at the time, eBay was a thing where people didn't really sell their own items online themselves. Mm-hmm. They would bring it to a re- resell location. I or remember those. Call it. Yeah. yeah. So the corporate store down in um, uh, Zephyr Hills, Florida, uh, they were killing it. I mean, they were making a killing on these small packaging stores. It was kind of like a UPS store. And they were making a killing on it. And I got into it, and I realized it just wasn't for me. And it's yeah, uh,
3: always tough when you when you put your chips down on something, and you're like, mm. I'm not I'm not too interested in this. Yeah, that it sucks. just
2: it doesn't have the return I want. Unless yeah. you own it, it's like a buying a subway, right? Yeah, the subway does great, but financially you need to own ten. <clears throat> excuse me, ten or fifteen of them.
4: Or otherwise, you're right. just buying
2: yourself a job. The, the, that's all you do is yeah. buy yourself a job. Yeah. So, I um. It was weird because I didn't know what to do. And I'm, you know, saying my prayers and begging for help from the other side. And one day a guy walked into my store and said, would you consider selling me your store? I'm like, oh, yes, <laughs> yes. Well, I, I had a poker face. Yeah, yeah, don't but uh, you know, No,
1: don't. But Yeah.
2: <laughs> but yeah, within a couple months, we worked up a deal and he bought it and I sold that store. And I got into, I didn't know what, again, Going back on not knowing what I wanted to do, I'm lost. Not once, but twice, I'm lost on where I'm. Where where's my life going to take me? Right, and
1: About thirty fr- at this point,
2: somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So a friend of mine had a janitorial business, and he says, "Why don't you get into uh, textile cleaning, cleaning carpets, cleaning upholstery, that kind of thing?" Yeah. He says, "Look, I have a big, I have a massive account." He says, "Look, I can, I can sub you out hundred thousand dollars worth of work right now." And thinking all right, that'll be a great start. I'll get in. I already know money will be flowing. So I didn't know anything about I've never cleaned a carpet or <laughs> <posted> <laughs> in my life. So like line, all right Here we go again, right? So I heard about this one store that uh, or a distributor down in Pittsburgh that sells to carpet cleaning companies. So I went down there and said, I want to get into the business and I said so I need a machine, I need a truck and he starts showing me all these little floor like these little called sliding units, right? They're on the showroom floor. And I look up on the wall and there's this poster this big ass truck. And I said, "Well, uh, uh, how much is that one?" You know, and he said, "Oh, well, well, we've never sold one of those." I said, "Well, I'll be your first one." <laughs> so so he said, "Well, you've never been in the business." I said, "Yeah, I know, but I'm going to build I'm going to make this business huge and if we're gonna do big accounts I want a machine like that that yeah. you know we're not you know our we're we have unlimited cleaning capacity right because this thing would hold you could actually clean you could set up 14 guys on this truck to clean upholstery and movie theaters mm-hmm. So I'm like oh that's what that's, those are the accounts I want yeah. you know I don't want I don't want to go to you know Sally and Susan's house and clean the carpets <laughs> I want to clean commercial stuff so
1: clean out the after the dog or something.
2: so I ordered that truck it was three months out from having that truck he says well we offer carpet cleaning school we have a carpet cleaning school here in classes so i started taking those classes and i don't know maybe the second day of class i'm standing outside waiting waiting for this class to start whatever and i'm just standing there and i see this guy pulling in. i don't know what he had a mercedes or an audi or something it was a really nice car and i saw is he in our class so the one guy I was talking to you said, yeah, yeah, he said he was sitting in the back of the room yesterday. I said, all right, well, I'm going to sit next to him. So I sat next to him, and, you know, just making small talk. I said, well, what is it that you do? And he said, well, I'm in restoration. I said, what's restoration? What's that, what's that all about? And he said, well, he says we do fire and water cleanup for insurance companies. I said, oh, well, I know if you want to make any money. Either have to build the government or build the insurance companies because those are the ones with all the money, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so through small talk with him, I found out that there's a there was a um, a company in Lenexa, Kansas that teaches you how to run a restoration company. So, jumped on a plane and went to Lenexa. Said I want to start a restoration company. So they welcomed me with open arms and teaching me all the stuff and. So not only did I go one week, I went back two weeks later for the next class and did it all over again. And then found out there's companies throughout the United States that teach you how to dry structures. So I, I was, uh, seriously, I was on a plane for months just going to different schools and getting all these certifications. Now keep in mind, I still haven't cleaned the carpet. And I just found out what restoration was. And now, now I'm traveling the country learning about restoration. Wife's
1: at home.
2: Yeah, wife's at home. Yeah. Yeah. wondering where the hell I'm at. What are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) doing? (laughs) (laughs) All right. No, you know, somebody call Robert Morris, give this (laughs) guy three more credits for all the carpet. (laughs) But yeah, so after that, that's, uh, I came back and went right into restoration and, um,
4: Did you have to cancel the truck or is that the truck you bought?
2: No, no, I couldn't. Yeah, it was too late for that. But I I got that truck. That was my first restoration truck. So what's funny is it came in. My my cleaning company is called Extreme Clean Pros. So it came all wrapped and it was beautiful. As soon as it came into our, well, at the time I was working out of my house because I couldn't afford to rent a space yet, right? So I was at my house and then this warehouse came available in Brackenridge. So I rented this real quick soon as i pulled it in that garage we stripped that son of a gun (laughs) took the took the vinyl and my dad was there and uh, i had my dad my dad worked on that thing for a couple days stripping that vinyl off that truck but uh yeah and then i came up with unflooded just something that was uh just geared towards water damage because all the other restoration companies around they do a little bit of everything from fire smoke water Mm -hmm. trauma rebuilds and i knew that i wanted to just focus on one aspect of it and just focus on water so it's been like that for well we that was december of 09 so we're going on what 14, 14 years, years yeah. 14 years here in december
4: it's will awesome. you will you do trauma cleanups we do yeah
2: yeah we do do them now yeah i actually like them i'm not i'm not in the field anymore but uh the ones I've been on, you know, it's, it's almost like you're like an investigator. Yeah. You know, you're in there, something bad happened. You know, especially on some murders and suicides, you're trying to figure out like where the bullets go and all this other <laughs> yeah. stuff. <like> <laughs> what was that? A company
3: called Sunshine Cleaners or something. There was a movie about that. They worked for like a, it was a whole full-blown movie. They would go in and clean up. And really? It was some of the <laughs> shit they did in that movie was kind of.
2: Yeah, I'm, I won't get into detail because there's a lot of things I could tell you, but I don't know who's going to listen to this, so I don't want family members to know. Well, hey, that was my relative. Holy shit, that was that my was, uncle. That was my house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know what? I have some guys that really like to do them, and other guys that just can't. Yeah. You know, but and and we don't force anybody to do it. So whoever's willing to do it, that's your job. You know, but yeah, we don't get them. We don't get as many as you think. You know, I would say maybe half a dozen a year is what we do.
3: How much has the insurance uh, business changed for you as far as like when you got into it? Because in, in my business, I noticed that like, it kind of has changed where like, it's consolidated to where it's harder to get into. Do you think currently now, it's just as hard to get into the restoration on any aspect or? Um, it,
2: it, it's definitely changed. And I mean, hell, even even the insurance agents, adjusters, they will all tell you, you know, it's, it's a it's a different world. I think it would be harder for somebody to, to get into what we do now, um, only because back when I got into it, we still dealt with adjusters, you know, and you submitted your invoice, your estimates, and you dealt with the adjusters. Now there's third party review companies that try to beat you down on your invoices. Mm. Um, and a lot of these insurance companies, actually ever since COVID, um, they're not sending adjusters out. They have what they call um, third-party adjusters, uh, three PA's. So it's companies that stepped in and said, "Hey, Mr. Insurance Company, whenever you get a claim, send it to us, and we'll take care of the whole thing from start to finish. We'll have the contractors. We'll we'll do it all." Well, it's saved the insurance companies by not having adjusters, but it's also hurt us because now you have to you have to agree to be on that program you have to work at a reduced rate. Right. And we refuse to work on third party programs because we offer our clients top notch service. And I mean, if you Google, if you Google us or anything, Yelp, Angie's any of those companies out there, I mean, we have nothing less than a five star. And it's, I mean, we built, we built this company off reputation. Right. So we won't have anybody dictate what they're gonna pay us and how they're gonna pay us or how we're gonna do our job. You know, because you know, I know we do it for a profit, but we're still there to help people. You know, it's no different than a funeral home director, right? It's your one of your worst times in life. A funeral director's making a decent profit, but he's also giving you, hopefully, comfort. giving you comfort. You know, he's sympathetic, empathetic, and he's there when yep. you need him, right? And we're we're I, I always say I always compare our job to being a funeral director because. You know, you're not call- I never have somebody call me and say, hey, what a great day. Yeah. You know, like, they tell me what's going on, what's wrong, yeah, yeah. you know, what the problems the problems are having that day. And it's, you know, it's water coming through the ceiling it's you know, pipes breaking, sewers backing up, you know, so we get we hear the the trauma side of somebody's day. Right. Yeah. So we're there to help. And that's a, that's what we do. So we're not I know we're getting paid to perform the service. But we're also there to make sure that our customers are comforted, and we're going to get their home back to normal faster.
1: That's yeah, a
3: unique way to look at it. I've always looked at tow truck drivers like that. No one, mm-hmm. Like no one ever calls a tow truck driver. It's like,
4: hey man. Or Great see, news. Yeah. Or sees <laughs> yeah. One. <laughs> yeah. see one. Great news. The repo
1: guy. When you see the tow truck. The whole shows just about people's reactions to them
2: yeah yeah yeah
4: Yeah.
1: Right.
2: Yeah, they don't call the tow truck drivers hey great news my yeah. car is running <laughs> perfectly today <laughs> i
1: think i'll we'll have you pick it up for a i got bit. to work <laughs> i got to work and my
2: tires are still full of air let's see how it goes <laughs> let's just take it on the road. See, tell me how it feels
1: oh uh, it's funny so jerry we touched on a few things there uh, obviously you're knowledgeable about a few though so can you talk about like incorporating businesses and franchises and processes to do
4: that and pluses um, and minuses well we can talk about yeah. so you know i work with brian obviously and we talk a lot about how you're structured um and it's something it's a way are you okay talking about that yeah okay um it's a way that i actually recommend a lot of my clients structure things with kind of a parent company and especially if you have uh, several business ventures underneath a lot of entrepreneurs, it's not about having one business and being done. And, and we'll talk more about your multiple business ventures. But uh, the the structure that you have with Merit Enterprises and then underneath Merit Enterprises, you have you have unflooded. Mm-hmm. Um And uh, it, it provides you an opportunity to have multiple companies that all roll up into one tax return, and... Um, Limits liability between the two different com- between the different companies, so that you don't have uh, one company that you know. If one company gets sued, you know you have a little bit of protection between them. You also have you also have the ability to spin off a company and sell it. So um, where if you have you know Merit Enterprises and you have a couple companies underneath that, you don't end up having to sell Merit Enterprises to sell your company. You can sell off. A division of your company. So, I usually rec- I, I recommend that to a lot of my clients where, you know, if they have different divisions of their company or they uh, want to maybe spin off something later, then we'll set up a parent company and then subsidiaries underneath that. And that's um, sort of how your business is set up. Uh,
2: it is. Um, I could probably do a better job at that, uh, you know, if I had to uh, restructure. I would, I would actually own more businesses that sell or offer the services that, for instance, my restoration company uses. Um, one being, um, I guess we can just talk freely here, right? Yep. <laughs> so for instance.
1: If, I think you're talking like synergy between companies, so you could yeah, almost sell yourself business. Yeah, like but, uh, to,
2: yeah, but I'm looking at, here's the thing people are always looking to take you out, right? Yeah. If you have something, somebody else wants it, Yeah. right? So in the event something could happen or God forbid something does happen, everybody sue crazy. But if the entity that they're suing doesn't hold any assets, there's nothing there for them to take, hmm. right? So for instance, the restoration company mainly has equipment.
1: That big truck. Lots of trucks, lots of trucks. And
2: yeah, I mean, and you're talking hundreds, if not thousands of pieces of equipment that we use to dry dry houses and structures. Well, if I would set up a rental company that rents, that actually holds all the equipment. And then when we do a restoration or mitigation job, that mitigation company, unflooded, rents the equipment from the rental company. Oh. this way unflooded doesn't own any assets so then that. I can pre- protect the company that way in the event there's a lawsuit right. you know so if you can have separate companies that hold assets mm-hmm. or hold all your assets and then you rent them to the company that's performing the service the company owns nothing
3: Yeah, you see that a lot with like fleet vehicles yep. mm-hmm. set up like an enterprise that rent the vehicles to the company and then that way if something does happen it's just it's covered.
4: Yeah. sure I actually have a client that um, and I'm not going to name the client but um, I have a client that has a business where they have a lot of staff and uh, one of the ways that we you know, when you have I mean they at this point they've only they, they only started a couple of years ago they're up to like 65 employees um, and they're very forward-facing clients and employees they um, the employees are trusted to be in and out of people's homes and businesses and um, so there's risk there, and they're driving a lot, right? So one of the things that we did to kind of mitigate that client from risk of you know, a car accident, somebody gets hurt, or um, one of the employees gets majorly hurt, or something like that, um, we set up a staffing company. So the actual business has no employees. Mm-hmm. They pay outside services, pay like subcontractors to their staffing agency um, that is... That has all the employees in it, so um, it reduces that risk to the, the main company. If somebody gets caught stealing or anything like that, or if there's a big workers' comp claim, a big empl- unemployment claim, um, it, you know, somebody gets run over and somebody gets killed on you know in a car accident, um, you can literally dump that staffing company and start over again. Mm-hmm. Just put it out of business. It doesn't matter. They have one customer and it's the main main business. So by doing it that way. You can mitigate risk just like the leasing agency. Um, and then to your point, if you have companies that uh, that are horizontally integrated, meaning uh, they they're uh, complementary to each other, yeah. you can set up multiple companies that are underneath that parent company that pass business between between each other. Um, I recommend that a lot to people, and I think that kind of gives a segue to. Your newest business venture, mm-hmm. you kind of spread into plumbing. Yes. Um, uh, and and m- na- more specifically, emergency repair plumbing. Um, not new installation because new installation doesn't usually come after a flood, but emergency repair plumbing. Um, so... I don't know if I jumped the gun, but no, that was good. it's a good segue, good segue into that. Yeah. Um, so do you want to tell a little bit about how you decided to go into that and sure. what you, what you did? Cause I mean, you brought a whole new business to the Pittsburgh market. So it's kind of, you kind of made a pretty big splash in the last few months.
2: Yeah, we, uh, we, we launched, uh, a, it's a franchise we purchased, uh, back in well the beginning of the year, but it's called one Tom plumber. And I can't take the credit for that. Uh, a friend of mine, In Cincinnati who also owns his own restoration company um, started this franchise and the reason for it is in our line of work in our industry we get our we get leads hot leads from insurance adjusters insurance agents and plumbers so we spend a lot of time and I think if you guys remember a few minutes ago when I told you how the insurance industry changed you have these third-party adjusters, third party, whoever, um, taking over these claims to these insurance companies. Well, that takes the agent out of it, that takes the adjusters out of it. Now that if you either if you want the work, you have to be part of the program. Well we don't want to be part of the program. So to adjust with the times, my buddy in Cincinnati started one Tom Plumber. We get majority of our leads from plumbers. So why don't we just create our own leads? So and you're right, Jerry. So we, we only do emergency plumbing. So it's service work. So it, it, how I explain it to people is if it's broke, we fix it. So we're not coming in and we're not replumbing your house for a remodel. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're building a new house, we're not the plumber that's coming in, plumbing the house for new, you know, new construction. But if you have a broken pipe, water heater goes bad, faucet that goes bad, refrigerator leaking, um, sewers backing up, drains, collapsed, that's us. What that also does is give us, number one, 24-7 service. So in the event that your water heater goes at two in the morning and it happens all the time, you call us, we don't have an answering service, we actually have our employees answering the phones. So you're getting us on the phone when you call any time of the day. On top of that, we have a rotation of plumbers that respond 24-7. So it could be two in the morning, and you need a water heater, and you don't want to wait till eight a.m. because you want that hot shower at six thirty. Usually within the hour, we have a plumber there with a water heater. But what that does for us is our plumbers are on site. They, because a lot of times homeowners don't even know that water damage is even covered by insurance, or you, or even think about calling their insurance. They just think, okay, game is what? We'll put a fan on it. Well. At that point in time, the plumber says, this is way more than just putting a fan on it. You need a restoration company. A lot of people don't even know that companies like me or like what we have exist. You know, obviously I didn't either, right? Right. So, But but yeah, they don't even know companies like us exist that just go in and dry out structures. And, you know, people have asked us many times over the years, well, we don't have that many floods here. Well, we don't. I know her name is called Unflooded, but we're not just after the torrential downpour <laughs> rain, because 90% of the time those aren't covered by insurance anyway. But what we what we do see a lot of are broken pipes. You know, between the supply line to that commode and the supply line to your ice maker on your refrigerator, almost daily, yeah, we get a call for a pipe bursting like that. And it doesn't have to be in the dead of winter. It doesn't have to be in Anytime it happens, all four seasons, and I'm
3: sure you're going to see more of it too. Because, like, the the actual I don't, I, I've done a lot of soldering in my life, I don't feel that PEX is going to hold up over time like, like solder. I mean, they, they say it will, but like 10 years from now, you're going to see a lot of fail. Plastics fails, you know.
2: I don't know. See, I have my thoughts on that, yeah. And because you know what, though, PEX takes a lot to burst, it takes a lot. Um, and and now with all these propress fittings and I let's put it this way I have yet to see any of those fail or burst the propress yeah
3: sure Char- think like like with the refrigerator movement like people people can damage easier I think than copper like
2: no cuz you know copper bends um, copper doesn't get doesn't get along well with other metals so if you have brass and copper or whatever else maybe just touching the copper do you ever see the copper lines that are turning green yeah wow well, there's eventually, there's going to be a problem, um, but you know, for me, I'm a big believer in PEX. I love PEX. I, I'm not a plumber. I, I might own a plumbing company, but I'm not a plumber. But uh, but I know what I see in in water damage, and we never we have never seen PEX oh. fail. Yeah, um, you know the thing is, with PEX has a I can't, I can't remember the the uh, the pressure rating on them, but. I'm sure if we googled it they, they, they probably hold they probably can hold up to 10 times the amount of pressure as copper and you know it when when pipes freeze for instance pipes freeze they don't usually break where they freeze it's let's let's say you have a hose bib sticking out this wall mm. right and it's zero degrees outside the hose bibs going to freeze and when that ice forms in the pipe it actually puts back pressure on the water that's in that pipe so it actually increases the pressure in that line the whole way back and you will have a burst pipe maybe in the middle of the house but it froze out here that's because of the pressure it's exerting on that pipe and it'll it obviously is going to burst at the weakest point yeah. right
3: see I'm not a plumber either and I just have been around a lot of old guys so like they'll tell you like oh yeah well, so that's where, that's where I know, drive my
2: information. Well, I'm getting older now, too. <laughs> so I can agree with a lot that they say yeah. because as you get older, you resist change. So when you're brought up with that one thing over and over, you just think that's the best that's, because it's all, that's all you've ever known.
3: Those Pro press tools are slick, though. Oh, they They're are. They're just big bucks, like three grand.
2: Yeah, somewhere around there.
3: And I'm, like, trying to hook up one press, and I need, like, four fittings, and I'm like, I really want it. I just can't justify it. <laughs> call one Tom. I'm going to call one a bunch. Tom. You <laughs> guys will hook up. Question cards. Yeah, <laughs>
2: but they no, they are, and it makes it. It makes a great uh, repair. It's quick. Good to know. Yeah, don't have to worry about catching the house on fire. Yeah,
1: I don't know if you could give away the secret, but it seemed like the problem was these these third party adjusters. You had talked about cutting them out. Could you? How did you become your own answering service? So, like, what was?
2: How did you pull that off? So, well, maybe not answering service, but what we, we've, we just to go back, you asked me about the question about getting into the business today versus the yeah. when I did it. Um, those companies weren't around. Mm. So we had plenty of time to build a name for ourselves. Yeah. There's a lot of agents and adjusters that refuse to use that program because they know contractors that are going to show up you know we um, we still pride ourselves on image i mean our trucks are always clean our equipment is clean our guys come you know we have company uniforms tucked in shirts collared shirts clean cut you're getting a better product right you know Um, but we pride ourselves on that and we you know image is everything you know and just even the way we all our guys communicate with our clients it's always on a professional level and then before you know, it, we end up being friends with ninety nine percent of the clients we yeah. work for. Yeah,
3: a lot of local. Like, what's your what's your coverage area?
2: Um, with with on sea. Here's the thing, we don't just show up when we're done. There's days of drying, so to be efficient, we can't be driving two hours every day just to monitor. Because we monitor as the as the project is drying, so we monitor the days that the equipment's on site. Every day we have to go and check moisture readings in the material we're drying. We get the psychrometric readings, which is the measurement of how much water's in the air, right? So every day we have to do that. So if we have to send a tech two hours away every day, yeah. that's four hours of wasted productivity, right? Right. So we don't just have a team or crew that just monitors jobs. So if we can keep within a one-hour radius, we become more efficient that way. Yeah, cause
3: yeah. I mean, we see in the area, you see trucks all the time with Davis Panhandle. They're like, these mm-hmm. guys are traveling miles to do what you're doing.
2: Like, just- well, they do have hubs and they'll have guys that live in the area. So um, our guys don't take our restoration trucks home, but companies like that, those guys will take their trucks home, no different than our plumbing company. Right. So we have plumbers all over the city. So we cover four counties with plumbing. But we have plumbers located in all of those cities or I'm sorry, all those counties and obviously small towns and cities. So when, you know, if you, let's say for instance, Swickley tonight, you know, if somebody has a pipe break, we have a plumber in Swickley, you know, that can respond. So th- those guys have their trucks and they're fully outfitted with everything you need other than it's not loaded with water heaters, but we keep stock on them in our, at our warehouse. So in the event that they need a water heater, they can either pick it up from our shop or we, we have access after hours to some plumbing supply houses.
3: Yeah, it's amazing what people don't know. Like, it's like you might get a hot water heater that burst, and water's coming out. They don't even know how to turn the valves off, so mm-hmm. they're just calling you. So your guy can just sometimes just go in and buy some time for people too, you know?
2: Sure, you wouldn't believe how many times they call and they don't know how to shut them off. Right. Or when we tell them how, the, the shutoff valves don't move. Because they haven't been shut <laughs> off since yeah. the tank was installed 20 years ago, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's funny yeah yeah
3: there's a world out there that that people just don't have common sense
2: yeah you know and and the ones that don't shut off unflooded loves those ones (laughs) 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 like i called unflooded they
3: said go to the right i called one tom they They said go go to the the left (laughs) left. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, like i've kind of followed it along from the beginning like when one Tom came out. Cause like, you see these pink plumbing trucks and I'm like, and I kind of knew you a little bit before and I'm like, I think he's lost it. I think he's definitely <laughs> lost it. So I called Jerry and I said, Jerry, is everything all right with Brian? You were like, kind of filled me in on the backstory about what was going on. And I was like, that's genius. <laughs> that's pretty genius. Well, I can't, like I said, I
2: can't, I wish I could. I can't take the credit for it. Um, when I first um, met with Rocky, his name's Rocky down in Cincinnati. First time I met him um, when he got into the plumbing business we were at a trade show, and I'm like, what the hell's a plumbing company doing here at the restoration show? Like, yeah. who the hell's gonna buy a plumbing company, you know? <laughs> and uh, the second trade show, ran into him again, and we were talking, and he started laying it all out for me on the revenue that his restoration company's making from all the leads that the plumbing company creates. I'm like, oh my God, I should have done this a year ago when I saw you, <laughs> you know, so. Um, after that, I was gun ho. Like, we got to do this. Pittsburgh market was open, and I wanted to bring it back to Pittsburgh. So, yeah, the, the plumbing company's booming. I mean, it's we just we just had another plumber today So that will give us seven. And keep in mind, we launched in March, March fifteenth, um, and yeah, we're our, our biggest hurdle right now is finding trucks.
3: Vans. Vans yeah. are tough, unless you want electric.
2: Yep. <laughs> Vans are tough. Yeah, it's amazing how many electric ones are sitting on the lot.
3: Yeah. Well, 125-mile yeah. range doesn't do anything for anybody.
2: Until you put weight in it.
3: Yeah, and then weight you're down 80, Uh-huh, 85. correct. <laughs> yeah.
2: And, you know, we drive more than 75 miles a day. That's Electric's not going to work.
3: Right. Yeah. I mean, I need to do, I need a new delivery van, and they're like, well, this will work. And I'm like, now, what am I going to do? I'm going to have the guy stop halfway through the day. Yeah, and in charge,
4: in charge. To for for sit for, for, for an hour, yeah. hours. Yeah.
2: No, I, you know, I, do I think electric vehicles are uh, neat? <laughs> yes.
4: <laughs> but they don't serve a purpose.
2: I mean, I, well, I don't like see where. No, not no, a commercial it aspect. Not a commercial
4: aspect. If I worked, I mean, I guess you know, my office is pretty close to my home and I could get away with it. Um, if I was just commuting back and forth to work and that was it. But. The the thing and I've talked about this before, but the thing that drive that drives me crazy is all these ads that talk about like the Ford F one fifty Lightning, they keep talking about how fast it is. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> you can't tow anything, you can't haul anything. Yeah. You get like a eighty mile range with a t- with a trailer on it. What the hell is the point of a truck? If I mean so it's fast, cool. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do me any good. It's not practical it's not practical if i need to buy a truck it's because i need to tow something or i need to haul something not so that i can go quick well here in pittsburgh <laughs> <laughs> here in pittsburgh uh going fast gets you nowhere yeah no because when not. you
2: go real fast you just get to the next traffic jam yes. you know i mean it's just yeah i mean it's just you just hurry up the weight
3: and we're dealing yeah. with a lot of hills here in Western pa so like you, you load it down with two hot water heaters and all the tools and you go up and down hills your range might be 50 miles Correct. Yeah, it just like,
2: doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, hey, they might work for some people, but yeah, they're not going to work Ford for us. Schultz Ford has
3: twenty-four of them. If you guys are out there, listening, <laughs> you need an electric van <laughs> I because I out. watch every day. I've been I've been looking for a new van, and I don't want white. And you wrap your vans, and we'll talk about that maybe later. But it's just I don't want an electric van. I don't. I can't. I can't use it. They, mm-hmm. they don't have. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine. There's some pretty. Seven
4: there's some pretty serious tax credits for those electric vans. Up. Oh, here we go okay. they, yeah. are <laughs> they are heavy. They are heavy. And why are there tax credits, here? Probably because Ford is going, hey, guys, we can't sell this shit. you got to <laughs> yeah. help us out. <laughs> <laughs> you, you made us do this, and we can't sell them.
2: <laughs> yeah, we, we uh, talked about that once before, right? Anytime there's tax credits, that's where the government wants you to spend their money. That's right. Or spend yeah, your money, right? Spend your so money. So that's it.
4: Yeah. but Yeah, it, that's it. But, it, Yeah.
3: Well, you can go broke saving money too. Mm-hmm. So buy a bunch of electric vans for one. Tom Plumber.
2: No, you know what? We actually, I we we were looking actually this morning on the used market, and there's there's some nice ones out there, but the, the
4: cost of vehicles are just out of control. It's about to get worse. Oh, UAW is talking about striking. They're supposed to vote this week on whether to strike. The big really? three are going to strike. Yeah. Yeah, there's the the article I read in Reuters said that there's a fifty fifty chance UAW strikes and all three it's gonna affect all three American brands. So it's terrible. So yeah, what you're saying so it's I gonna be, buy, buy, yeah. buy them now. buy because yeah, it. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be worse. I mean, use because these dealers aren't gonna be able. To, they're having a hard enough time getting inventory now. Mm-hmm. You put a strike in and they can't. There's no more production. Yeah, it's gonna get even worse.
3: Yeah, you can't even order a van. Like you can't mm. like. You couldn't go to Schultz Ford and five vans from now to the end of the year. Is that right? Well, I
4: did call the
2: dealer that does supply us, and I, I don't know the auto industry. I don't know how that works, but he told me that the they, they can't put an order in for the 2024s yet, so I guess they are. I don't know if they're allotted so many, or there's a time frame that they have to fall. I don't. don't, Like I said, there's a window
4: that they have to open up. They have to allow orders for 24s. I don't think it's open yet. It's not. Yeah.
2: So he has nothing to sell us, and he can't put orders in.
4: And all the
3: allocations for 23 are spoken for. So then they'll reallocate. And like what I've experienced is like Armstrong Communications calls that day. They know exactly that day, and they're like, "We want 47 vans." It's like, well They're they gone. they've already used all their allocations. So yeah.
2: well, you know, with with Amazon coming out yep. like they are and started their own delivery, delivery service, I mean they eat up the vans like crazy. Yeah. I mean they have who knows how many thousands, hundreds of thousands of vehicles out there every day. Yep. So how many are wrecked daily? Yep. <laughs> right? I mean yeah. I know what our company sees in little dents and dings and I can I can't only imagine what Amazon sees in damaged vehicles, but the thing is with them, they need to get the, you know, that they got to replace that truck with another one right away. Mm-hmm. I mean, so how many extra vehicles are they sitting on that yep. they can put it right in, you know, right on, or on the schedule for the following day? So I think they suck up a lot. I mean, if I was a manufacturer, I would want that account too, right? right. It keeps guys working nonstop, so you're making a lot, you know, maybe five, 10% profit on manufacturing that truck for Amazon, but you have 100,000 to make, right? Right. It just keeps everybody moving and grooving.
3: Yeah, I mean, they actually went through all the major manufacturers too. The only one that Amazon I have never seen drives a Chevy van. So right?
2: Well, yeah, now that you you say that. You know,
4: it's funny, I I have a buddy that, um, that works at a Chevy store, and he said of all the vehicles that he can sell, One of the hardest ones to get are those Chevy vans. Those Chevy vans, you can't get them. Apparently there's some production issue with the transmission where they can't get the transmission. So Chevy literally can't build them fast enough. And he said that if he were to get one of those Chevy vans that they haven't changed since like 2002, that they're exactly the same. He said, if I get one on the lot, he's like, I'll have guys from four or five states away calling me immediately. I'll take it. I'll give you a deposit right now. I'll take it. He said, you, you, they can't keep them, new or used. Yeah. Cannot keep them. Mm.
3: Yeah, I know we're in the market for a van, and it's just been—I just can't stomach paying. Like I think I bought my van for like thirty-one thousand brand new, and now it's like sixty-one mm-hmm. thousand, right. and it's the same van. It's—it's mm-hmm. it's not like there's anything special. Yeah, know? and they—they—they they, they need to just go back to the old days. Wind up windows, no, no AC get the LCD screen out of it and just dumb them down and sell them for 20 grand and they could sell as many as they want. Like I'd buy two at that price point, but like mm-hmm. you got to start thinking more logical at 60, 65,000.
2: Yeah. It's a lot. I mean, I know what we're paying for our trucks and like I said, we can't buy them fast enough. Uh, we just got two new restoration trucks on the Chevy chassis. Um, they had five that they were bringing in. So we had, we, we grabbed two of them. Um, but now, if we wanted to order more, it'd be a year. For those restor- yeah. restoration trucks are hard. Um, you know these outfitters aren't building them like they used to because they didn't sell enough of them, and they're making what sells, right? Um, but talk about a van. I did have a Chevy van like you're talking with a sliding unit, and I think I sold that in about seventy-two hours. <laughs> I put on Mar, yeah, put it online, it was gone. Yep. Yeah. Actually, I ended up, hopefully he doesn't hear me say this, but I ended up, <laughs> I ended up selling it for more than we paid for the whole damn thing. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, I, I, I sold the van for more than I paid for the van, and then the machine inside it, I, I sold... So, yeah, we, we made $10,000 on selling a van that we used for four or five years.
3: Yeah, that's the way it is. It's I mean, crazy. I have two vehicles in my possession right now. The van we have for delivery and my truck, they're both worth more than what I paid for them, and I've owned them for four or five years. It's just... Yeah. yeah, and then you say to a kid like get a job you know and you're going to make 15 bucks an hour and you need to buy a car and you need to get insurance like these kids are like screwed from Jump Street
2: See, there's no such thing as a $5,000 car anymore no nope. they're just not out the there the internet
3: ruined that you used to be able to tell someone's grandma that they're two thousand and two Toyota Corolla was worth fifteen hundred <laughs> and she'd sell it to you. Yeah. And you were good to go. Mm-hmm. Now they just Google it and they're like, that thing's worth seventeen thousand five hundred.
1: Drop it off at your house. <laughs> yeah. Pick it up from your house. Full tank of gas in yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> My first car
2: was four hundred dollars. What was it? Yeah, it was a Chevy Cavalier. Yeah. <laughs> oh man.
4: I got you beat. Yeah. We had a family friend that had an eighty nine Mercury Tracer hatchback. Oh, cool. Like do you remember this car? I do you to remember to it? it? I it think a little maroon car, two two door, barely four seats in it, tiny little hatchback. She gave it to me for free, and uh, it was it was an '89. This was in 2012. 2000. This was in the year 2000. <laughs> it was in the year 2000. I had just Stop turned 16. Running. No, no, no. You know what? Yeah, I had just turned 16. Yeah, maybe a little later than that. 2001 maybe regardless it was it was 12 years old about the freaking car had 29,000 miles on it it was perfect except her husband it would park she'd park it in the garage and every day her husband would get out of his Lincoln and bang the door (laughs) and it was like she moved it so like all down the side of the car was like little dings all down the side from his from her husband's car and other than that, like, she literally gave it to me for free and then had it detailed before she before brought it she over. It. it had fucking vacuum marks in it. <laughs> I'm like, thank you. Uh, but, yeah, I got it for nothing. And then I traded it in when I turned 18 and uh, bought a Cavalier. Did you really? I, yeah, I made 500 bucks on that car. Or what was your first car? Oh, man, this is a 1983
1: Ford LTD cop car. Yep. Got like seven miles a gallon. You played <laughs> demolition like derby ass. with it? I drove it on McKinley Field. <laughs> Don't tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, humble beginnings. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: I had like an 87 Dodge Dynasty. I called it the Dynasty. It was maroon. Dynasty. I still have
5: the <laughs> emblem from the hood. I put
3: them. I put it on a magnet to it and it's on my fridge in my house. The dynasty. <laughs> the
1: dynasty. Oh, it's funny. So, uh, if you could sit down 10 years from now, what's your life look like? Are you retired on a beach in Mexico? What's What, what are we well, shooting for? Yeah, right. why, why are you still in this game? You seem pretty set up, huh?
2: Well, you know, my goal is to be retired, but yeah. the, the thing is. You want to bet? Yeah. <laughs> it's in my blood to work. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I do. So I, you'll I work working. a lot. Yeah. will be working. You, you know what? I, I'll be working a different...
3: In a different capacity.
2: Correct. Yeah. Um, both my kids, my son's 16, my daughter's 18, and they're they're both full-time in our company.
1: Yeah.
2: I know it's we're probably thinking, all right, wait, he's 16. How's he full-time? No, right?
1: there's... Jerry knows some... So, breaks things, right? <laughs> yeah.
2: so, no, but my son, he does um, the virtual school
1: yeah.
2: where he, three hours a day or 15 hours a week, no matter how you do it. So I told him, like, just knock out 15 hours in one day, right? Just yeah. bear down.
1: Yeah.
2: Do, do it all in one day, and then you're free all week. But, no, he does just three hours a day. <laughs> so, but he does he works full time. So he's, cool, he's going to be a plumber. Yeah. Uh, my daughter works in dispatch, which, nice. you know, I want them to learn all aspects of the company. But my son's been working with us since, oh my gosh, since he was yeah. probably six or seven. Had him at the warehouse doing all kinds of things, right? That's great. Uh, but yeah, no, there isn't there isn't a, a machine that we own that he doesn't know how it works, you know. Cool. Uh, but no, I can rely on him to do anything. Yeah, I can, I can tell him the you know, PNC Park's flooding right now. and hmm. He'd get down there and he would know what to do you know so I mean yeah. just, he's just—he's—he's an animal that's awesome um, my daughter you know she's super smart right now she's in dispatch um, in our plumbing company and just more or less grooming her to know all the aspects of the business and you know we end, end up getting her in sales too nice uh, but yeah no, there's, so saying all that in 10 years hopefully they're running the show and I'm um, more or less, the guy they tell to be quiet in the back, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I can I can I can uh, still work on the business from Florida. I'm sure I don't think <laughs> it'd be a problem. Right. You know, okay. yeah. But that, that's where I see myself. I but you know the thing is, I'm still I'm still listen. You know, I, I am. I don't want to say self-employed because I'm an employee of the company. But okay. um, you know, I I take what we what we can make and create and. I I buy other assets, you know. My big thing now is commercial buildings. You know, I, I just want to, you know. I dabbled in the real estate for a while. I owned a bunch of apartments, but again, that's you. You feel it, you know. You can just feel like it. Do, do I belong here? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And, yeah. you know, I believe that everybody has a path already um, created for them, and sometimes you just gotta listen to your heart, yeah. because why you're here we won't get into religion but I'm, I'm a religious guy but I think the you know if you listen to your heart you'll you'll hear the plan that was laid out for you right so it might sound crazy to somebody else your ideas which many of mine in the past have made people's heads just shake because they're wondering what the hell I'm even <laughs> thinking about doing but I just I just go with my heart yeah. you know? Um, I'm not the smartest business guy out there. I always, I always say, "There, look, I, you know, when I'm in a room with a bunch of people, I, I don't want to be the smartest kind of room. I want to be the dumbest guy there because I want to learn from everybody else. Right. You know, and most of the rooms I'm in, I'm, I'm not. You know, and you don't have to be smart to be in business. You just have to have drive, and as long as you have hustle and you outwork the other guy, there's really nobody that can hold you back but yourself you know but you know following that i don't want to say passion because that's a whole different discussion you know when they say find find sir how's it go find something that you love and or never work a day in your life never, work, yeah i call bullshit on that yeah me too. I, was like, <laughs> I was
3: like i want to see how he spins it because i'm not quite sure i'm buying that shit. I mean,
2: yeah it, i love what
3: i do but like
2: yeah i mean that's like, all tools. look i love golf yeah. I'm not talented enough to make a living at it. Even program. if I truly wanted to, I guess I could open up a couple golf stores and sell golf clubs and lessons. But, you know, the thing is with that, I you know, you're, I don't know, you're kind of capped. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I think you just, you, you can, you know when you're where you're supposed to be if you just listen to your heart and feel that gut feeling, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know where I was going with that, but yes. but yeah, so I guess knowing where I'm gonna be in life. So yeah, but like buying commercial properties and and buying other assets, you know, the key, the key thing is, and I don't care if you just have a regular nine to five job. If you concentrate on investing in assets, and it could be anything from, you know, and having a good investment strategy to, um, you know, whole life insurance to, buying rentals, commercial properties, when you start getting your money working for you, then it's like having not only one job, well, two jobs, but three jobs, because then you just keep having that money keep working for you. And like I said, you can you can do this on a nine to five with a regular, you know, if you, if you don't have the guts to go out on your own, to go out on your own, you can invest in those assets that are gonna pay you back. Yeah. But as long as you're smart about it, and you keep buying other assets with the profits that the assets the these assets are currently creating for you the sky's the limit but you know a lot of people want the shiny new car and hey. the big house mm. and, sorry Jerry am I talking <laughs> about you <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah man's. if you can put that off until later in life yeah. and start getting building assets when you're young yeah. oh man you know, look, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be 45 years old. If I would have had that advice way back when, I'd be a f- whole lot further ahead right. than I am now.
3: Yeah, I think it's so funny that you say that because like everybody I think at 40 thinks that. You're like, oh shit, you know, you bought a car, you probably couldn't afford, you, you ran up a cell phone bill, you ran up a credit card bill, you partied, you, you did all these things and you're like, what? Did, I wasted so much time. And then mm-hmm. you like, you have kids and you're like, yeah. now I've wasted even more time. <laughs> So, like, if you're just 20 and you made 500 bucks a week and you were smart with that 500, you could, you could have changed your life. Like, you're, you're probably not sitting in this room. You know, you're probably, you're probably just. Yeah, 10 to 20 percent. Yeah. Right.
2: Put it away. Yeah. You know, so, you know, build it up so you can buy that asset.
3: Right. So do your kids have any ambitions to want to go away to school? Are you going to force them to go, go Oh, away to no, school? no, no.
2: They're, uh, they're both full time. Yeah. Yeah. No. See, and
3: that's smart too. Like, you know, well, the thing
2: is, everything we just talked about is the discussions I have with my kids. You know, uh, my financial advisor came in and met with my kids this past week, getting them all lined up with, you know. But I did buy both my kids some whole life policies when they were small. Mm-hmm. Um, but now they actually see how compounding interest works. Yeah. And they're like, "Oh my god!" Like, <laughs> what? You know what they said? Why don't they teach this in school? Right. Because school doesn't create wealth. <laughs> right. School creates workers, employees. Right. School creates employees. <laughs> school is the, the curriculum, and I don't know if somebody listening. Three credits, is Robert yes. Morris. <laughs> <laughs> if if somebody's listening to this and you're uh, you want to correct me, put it in the chat. The school curriculum was written by Henry Ford and it's all because he wanted to create factory workers. Yeah. And if you look how school is structured, it really is just that. Right. You know, you have a certain time you have to be there. Yeah. Bell rings, right? And that was back in the day the whistle went. Right. Same same difference.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. You, you get the punch out for breaks, you get your breaks at school, mm-hmm. you punch out for lunch, you get another break. Don't want you to think and then too you go much. Home, And then <laughs> you hear the bell ring yeah. or the whistle yeah. and you go. It trains you to be a factory worker. You know, and they and, and really, the curriculum hasn't changed at all. It's still the it's still the same way it was back when I was in school, and I'm sure the same way it was when my parents were in school. Same, same, same thing. Um, but yeah, no, you have to, and they force you to go, right? So right. you you don't have that option of You're not go. Legally obligated. Legally obligated. Yes, um, but if you have somebody that you can talk to, or and to, and to be honest, Google is the. I mean, the biggest educating tool there is, right. right? You can learn to do anything with a
4: click of a button, you know? You Throw ChatGPT into the mix and you yeah, can do anything do. you want. And yeah.
3: look at their company structure. It's unlike anything we've ever seen before. It's yeah. totally opposite of what Henry Ford has going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They they cater to their employees. They appreciate them. There's, mm-hmm. there's no bells. There's, There's no schedule. They kind of... Have a different structure than any other company we've ever seen. Yeah, they
2: have arcades. They have baristas, baristas, or whatever you want to call them, and
3: deliver directly right to the office. Yeah, yeah. You know
4: what else is interesting about Google and their hiring? So when I was in uh, in school, we had to do an art uh, a report on some Fortune 500 company, some big company, stock publicly traded. And I did Google. And one thing I learned back, I. learned when I was doing that that I had to put in the report is that their hiring at that time they always hired above their median meaning if the median education or qualification of their employees was an MBA they had to hire at least an MBA or higher they would never hire below their median so they always were improving their employee base well about a year ago I think Google announced that they are no longer requiring a college education to get a job. They killed it. They killed the whole project. Because there's so many kids now that are leaving college buried in debt, unable to make decisions like let's start a business because they have to get a job because they have these massive student loans they have to pay off. Uh They can't buy a house, they can't buy a car. They can't do anything because they're paying thousands of dollars a month on hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of student loans and they're they're buried they can't they can't function so I think Google is one of the companies that has started this wave of hey you know maybe we don't need to be forcing everybody to go to college maybe there's another route and I think that there's you know and I'm sure you can see it and you're hiring for both of your companies there is such a lack of tradesmen now that trying to find, I mean, it's just, and it's good for you probably in a sense that it's made the cost of getting any of these services done through the roof mm-hmm. because, you know, plumbers are hard to come by, uh, electricians, mechanics, any of these uh, trade trade school types jobs, there's nobody doing the work anymore. Yeah. You know, and uh, and it's a shame because when I went to school, when we went to school, I felt like they would teach, like you'd meet with your guidance counselor and tell them, like, I, I want to go to, I want to go to trade school. And they almost made it sound like, well, if you're going to trade school, it's because you're stupid. They talk down on you. You know, it's because yeah. it's the dumb kids go there. The mm-hmm. the misfits go there. Really, <laughs> right now, they're better off than kids who went to college because they're starting school right away. A lot of these guys are charging $50, $60 an hour or more. Um... Without the college debt, you know, and they didn't have to wait four or five years to start.
2: One thing my uh, financial advisor showed my kids and some of the younger guys that worked for us the other day was how much money that they have to put away or invest every month.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: And it was very little. I'm talking a few hundred dollars. And what they will have in four years in their investment portfolio versus what a kid is coming out of college with. Kid coming out of college is fifty to one hundred thousand dollars in debt, or more, more, and they're fifty to eighty thousand in assets.
4: Yeah, I
3: mean, it's mm-hmm. the old question: Would you take a million dollars today, or a penny doubled for the next thirty days? Yeah. You know, like finances. People don't teach it enough. You know, like uh-huh. you said, like, it's that structure of, like, we, they can't know too much. People can't know too much. Right. Because if they know too much, they'll turn on us. <laughs> you know, like. It's true. I, I, I grew yeah, up but, in there, like, my dad would always tell me, if you learn how to frame a door, you'll have a job for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. There's kids that we grew up with that don't know which side of the screwdriver you use. You know, and it's, yeah. it's sad. And it's it's unfortunate. But, like, hey, that's what we live in now. So,
2: I mean. But, like, you were saying, Jerry, the, these kids that come out of school and they're going to the trade school, They are so much better off. I mean, I am i don't know, I'm speaking from the plumber side of things, but, you know, you leave high school and you become a plumber's helper and you start learning the trade and all at the same time you go to a plumbing school so you can obviously educate yourself on the trade that you're going to be in probably the rest of your life. So instead of all these electives, Right. And all these other things ceramics. that are ceramics yeah. and or yeah, the bullshit human yeah. growth and development and, that you're paying all this money for all this stuff that yeah. I went. I went for marketing and I had to take you know I had to learn about the
1: our the psychology and, and history, all this stuff that,
2: <laughs> yeah. you know, just spinning my wheels. Right. Um, but they can go to a plumbing school while they're working. Right. So you're making money and, and you come work for us. We pay for your school. So we're paying you to go to plumbing school which is only three hours, two nights a week, right? right? Two and a half hours, whatever it is. Um, But as you can prove, and you don't have to be out of school to go to have your own truck with us. You just, you you show us your knowledge in it. Mm -hmm. And if it's just replacing water heaters, that's your forte, right? You know everything about changing water heaters because you were taught that. And really, it doesn't take much to learn how to do, right? Right. You get in your own van, and you're doing service work. I mean, to be 23, making well over 100,000 a year, isn't too shabby, right? And you can do that. It's easily done. So easy.
1: And your back and, doesn't hurt, and your knees are yeah. still good. Yeah, are for
3: it. I mean, you're going to grind. You're going to answer the phone sure. at two o'clock in the morning. Sure.
2: Yeah. But but you know what though? Who cares? I right. mean, I I freaking I. I Ryan worked my ass off. a lot less. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, is, has my life gotten easier? Yes, because I made it easier. Was I always chasing the almighty dollar? So was everybody. You know, I just chose to use my time differently to make that dollar. Right. But there was, you know, many years. I mean, I know we did a podcast once before, Jerry. But, you know, I found, I've, I've almost been bankrupt three times. And to the point where I didn't know what I was going to do. You know, uh, to the point where, you know, I was I was down and out like I thought my life was over like I'm Dead in the water, you know, I mean if you if you guys want to hear a, a little story when I first when I first opened up my uh, first cell phone store I had I Invested everything I had in it, right? I had nothing like I all my money was spent I, I, I was i had seriously I had zero money in my checking account. I had bought Cell phones and everything else to put in the store. Credit cards are maxed, everything ready, ready to go. It's like two days before my store is going to open, the very first store. And I was dating my wife at the time. And I so, said, Oh my God, I don't have a cash register. I f- totally forgot about a cash register. <laughs> I'd have the money to buy one. So she bought me the cash register. And then I didn't have any money to put in the drawer. So I borrowed $200 from my friend. And I put two hundred dollars in the drawer, and after my first day of being open, I gave him his two hundred dollars back, and I still owe my wife for the cash register. (laughs) But but, yeah, (laughs) Um, but yeah. So I mean, it's I don't know why I got into that, but but yeah, no tough times. So you know, it's but it creates a warrior, right? You know, you you don't want to die. My one store in the Eternal Heights. We were selling Dish, Dish Network and DirecTV, and business was not doing well. Yeah, I mean, it was it, we were struggling. And I remember we were down to, I think $800 in our checking account, personally and business. I mean, we were, we were in some trouble. So don't, all these stories about me having businesses, they weren't always great. Like right. you didn't just open a business and, you know, things just kept rolling in. There was great times and there was tough times. Well, we were having a tough time, and business was tanking. And we were down to about 800 bucks in our checking account. And we had bills due. And I remember, I was I was crying to my wife. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, this is terrible. I'm sorry I did this to you, this and that. And, and the next day, we had, I don't know if you guys remember the penny saver? Oh, yeah. It was I a little, know. yeah, you guys rolled I it I bought off. cars out of the penny yeah. saver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the penny saver rep came in and said, hey, there is a satellite dealer that I won't mention names, he's no longer in business, but um, they used to be on the back page of the penny saver for the last four or five years. I said, oh, yeah, I know, I'm well aware. Well, he hasn't paid his bill in the last three months and we're pulling his ad, but you sell satellites, would you want the back page of the penny saver? I'm like, well, how much is it? It's 850 bucks. <laughs> And oh shit, now what do we do? Right. <laughs> so I said, can I, can you give me an hour and give me an hour and I'll, I'll, I'll give you a call. So I just wanted time to talk to my wife and, and she said, well, here's the thing. If we don't do it, we're out of money, we're broke. If we do do it, we'll be broke at that moment, but maybe that'll be the ad that brings us the sales that we need. Well, no shit, we did the ad. We had, I, can't, I think I sold 17 satellite dishes off that one. And now if, you, if we go back, you got paid a lot of money to sell a satellite dish. And then I'm struggling to find how I'm gonna pay for all the equipment because we sold so many. I wanted to get these in ASAP, yeah. yeah. So I, I think my I think I borrowed my parents' credit card and i bought all the satellite dishes and receivers for we using their card which i paid them back right away mm-hmm. but um but yeah that was that was actually the turning point of our business That's when awesome. we just you know we 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 were growing from that yeah. Yeah. i was we, lost we kind after of yeah. the
3: bullet there with that 08 9 thing like we weren't kind of we were kind of just just starting yeah we were just starting so like well how old are you guys I'm, we're all 30, 30 30, 39 39 39 all yeah. right
2: so Five like, years, I guess I got on you.
3: My family bought that sparkle cleaners in uh, Lower yeah, two thousand and one, and they thought, man, we nailed it here. And then oh eight, oh nine came around, and they were like, hey, this sucks. Like they, they they got clobbered. And then we went through with COVID a lot of us. I mean, anybody that was in business in two thousand twenty nineteen.
2: Yeah, but see, you own a business, you should be rich, right? Yeah, yeah. Isn't, that, isn't that how that works? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah. laughs> isn't that the is that the stigma, right? If yeah. you own a business, you're rich, right? Yeah, but nobody nobody understands the, the the struggles that a business owner goes through. It's 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 not easy, Mm-mm. you know. They might see you later in life where you know now you can build houses and you can buy cars. Well, they don't know what went into that. I mean, yeah. when they say blood, sweat, and tears, literally, yep, that's exactly what goes into it.
3: Yep. Yeah, and I think you touched on it. Your wife was there from the beginning, kind of with you. And like mm-hmm. my, I know my wife's in the, everybody here's married, and and uh, it's just you can't. I don't think you can do
2: it without her, you know. you know, my wife and I were in business together. Um, she was actually a hostess down at uh, Chelsea Grill, Hofstatts, and bartending and when we when we were dating. We, we've known each other since high school, but we didn't date till we were twenty one. And I told her, "I'm like, why? Why don't you just come work with me? You know, starting these businesses up and all this stuff." And and yeah, she took the chance and she. Kind of knew that we were going to be together but you know at that point in time as soon as you you get married or even right before you get married you're engaged whatever it's already a partnership you know it's already a business deal right you're, you're already business partners right. mm-hmm. because it's it's it, life's a business right so it doesn't mean you have to own a business to, to be partners you're, you're once you have that spouse you want a good spouse and you want a good partner because you're in business no matter what you're doing. And then to own a business itself, you have to have a good partner because the, the, you know, they're the ones that are gonna give you moral support the whole way through, right? I mean, that takes a lot of moral support to even make all this work. Um, but to have a good partner, to have somebody that's going to be by your side and believe in you and support you and reach you on, that's huge, yeah. it's we, huge.
3: We talk about this kind of being like a therapy for us and, and like the people listening to like hear those stories about how like life is not always easy you know keep pushing keep pushing you can get to the other side but like the, your partner in this your wife or your sniffing other they become your therapist because mm-hmm. you'll say things to them that you won't say to anyone else at like sure. the darkest hour <laughs> and then in the morning you just walk out that door and you're like we're going back after today and, and without that conversation like before man it, sometimes i don't know what the options would be you know mm-hmm.
2: so. you know uh, yeah you kind of brought up a point there because the and I'm sure most of you have experienced this being in business, but the, the, the panic attacks. Mm-hmm. You wake up in the middle of the night and mm-hmm. you're just shaking uncontrollably and you know, and I'll be honest um, with just, I mean, recently when I bought this plumbing company, you know, things are going good. Life is good, things are great. And now I felt like I went backwards and you know, this plumbing co- this plumbing company cost me a lot of money. And to dish out that kind of money, like, like, holy shit. Yeah. Everything I've been working for, now I just invested into something else I know nothing about. Right? I, I had another freaking breakdown. Like, can't breathe, you know, just shaking uncontrollably. And she's seen me done it before. She knew exactly what to do with me. <laughs> 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 but, you know, laid me down on the bed. And, yeah. you know, like, seriously, you just shake. But see, those are the things people don't see. You know, and people don't even hear you talk about because it it's not something you bring up to other people. It's not. Yeah. It's not a good conversation piece, right?
4: Yeah.
2: Um, but it happens. So it happened to me even at you know 44 years old, where I thought I had everything under control, and now it's like I just but took I another leap. Yeah. Well,
4: I think other you know, business owners that are early in and people spectators often think that it's just a it's just an uphill climb, and as you get As things get good, they stay good. And it just gets better and better and better and better, and it's just not the case. I mean, you can really easily, you know, lose a client or have some sort of economic downturn or something like that, and all of a sudden you're on top of the world and just the floor falls out from Mm -hmm. under you. And, uh, you know, the stress and anxiety and, and everything that goes along with it, it's hard. And I think, you know, we we sit and talk a lot the two of us and uh, bounce ideas off of each other and and we've said before that you know we can have a conversation that is hard to have with people that just have a w2 job because it's you know we'll complain about something that most people would be like fuck you're blessed man like you mm-hmm. you're complaining about that but it's like you know, to complain about we have so much work. I got to figure out how to how to manage all this work. I'm, I, you know, I, we got this new client. It's big and this and that. And you know, to everybody else in the world, it's like, what are you complaining about? But you can talk to another business owner, and they're they're like, all right. So you know, you're gonna hire somebody. You you need to set up better systems and processes, and you know, you know do this and do that. And it's a it's a discussion that we have that um, that you can't have just just anybody. and I think that's the whole the kind of the whole reason we launched this podcast is that there's people out there that may not have that support, mm-hmm. may not have those other business owners around them that are a little bit ahead of them because you know, and I, I actually think that that is a a, a blessing and a curse because, you're four or five years older than me, and there were a lot of times over the last, I don't know how long I've known you, 10 years or so, that I've been like, man, you know, Brian's doing this and doing that. What am I doing wrong? But you're five years ahead of me, right? You're you are talking your first, you know, Mara Enterprises was in 2001. I was a junior in high school. So, It's hard sometimes to be like, okay, wait a second. In five years from now, I'm set up pretty well. In five years from now, I'm going to be there or better. Like, just relax. Keep working. You'll get there. But having that support system around you, I don't know that everybody's that fortunate. So I think that's kind of the idea of the podcast is that, you know, give somebody something to listen to to be like, oh, shit, man, that's, that's what I'm going through is what he said he went through five years ago. And... He weathered it and, you know, maybe somebody that's got 800 bucks in their account and is like, I don't know what to do here. I think, you know, do I shut it down and just go get a job or do I keep going? And, you know, maybe that story motivates somebody or gives somebody the inspiration to be like, okay, all right, let's take a minute and regroup and we can get through this. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what we want to do here.
2: Well, absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, you know, you're. What do they say? Show me your friends and I'll show you your future, right? Yep. So if your friends aren't better than you, and I'm not saying that in a way that most people look at it. Ahead of you. Ahead of you. But, you know, you might have somebody that's really good in in accounting, right? (laughs) You might have somebody that's really good in starting a business. You might have another guy that has, you know, knows uh, investments, right? Surround yourself with people that know what you want to know, and learn from them, um, but but if your friend if you're the smartest one in the room, just going back on what I said before, you're in the wrong room. You have the wrong friends. You know, if your friends are the ones that are all they want to do is call you up to go to the bar that night, that's the wrong friend. We all have friends like that, and we need some friends like that too. <laughs> but but those aren't the friends that I are going to be that the Yeah, those aren't the friends that are going to propel you. You know, it's it's friends that are sitting in a Conference room here, studio, at, studio at at almost Monday nine night. o'clock yeah. at, on a Monday night. Yeah. Those are the people you want to surround yourself with, yeah. right? Where you can bounce ideas off of. And when you have those friends, and when you when you you know that that hill you were talking about climbing, and the floor gives out, you walk off that cliff that, that you didn't you didn't know that cliff was going to even be there. Those are the ones that can help you. You know, those those are the ones that are going to throw you the rope, yep. right? Because they've they've I've been down that cliff before.
5: Right.
3: Grab
2: his rope. <laughs> this rope. I know a shortcut. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That those are yeah. the friends that you want. Yeah. So those are the those are the ones that you want to be bouncing things off of. You know, I, I was raised to, you know, and it's an old Italian family, you know, you never talk about money. Well, I didn't learn about money until I started talking about it with people that knew money. And then it's like, holy shit, why didn't anybody ever tell me this? Yep. You know? And I didn't really start learning things till my late 30s, to be honest. I really didn't even know the stuff even existed out there, you know, in investments and compounding interest and all. You heard people talk about it maybe here and there, but you didn't really dive in. Right. But to be young, early 20s, and to be able to talk to people that have been there, done that, they can guide you in a way that you could be set up for life. You know, I think, seriously, anybody in high school or just graduated, go talk to a financial planner. Yep. Yeah. Go talk to a financial advisor. Those are the gonna be your, cause it's so, and you guys know, it's hard to say, okay, what path am I gonna take in life, right? Which which road am I going down? If you can have somebody outlay that path and you stick with that plan and stay on that path, you'll be so much further ahead. And even if you have the nine to five, even if you're a W2 employee, it, you know, they say it's not how much money you make, it's how much you keep. That's what they're saying. Take a percentage of that and put it into an investment. Put it into an asset, um, money-generating machine, you know? That's that's where it gets easy. But to your point, Jerry, you're right. You've got to surround yourself with like-minded people and ones who have been there and done that so that, you know, they can guide you along the way.
3: Yeah, I think it's kind of funny, like, you would talk to like five, four teachers in high school. None of them would think we'd be sitting in this conference <laughs> yeah. okay. Hey, yeah. my my guidance my guidance yeah. counselor
2: told me I'd be a I would be a garbage man. That's what he told no. me. Yeah. yeah, no faith in me, mm. none.
4: But well, this was a good time. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having this me. this is guys. a perfect perfect first episode with a guest.
2: Well, I appreciate it. This is good. I appreciate being your first guest. We'll have to do this again.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Yep
3: bring in the plumber next time we we've got a lot more flooded unflooded going on this time we'll do more plumbing next yeah you know time. what we will
2: we'll bring in we'll bring in a few we'll bring in a whole we'll just fill this whole table yeah yeah, yeah.
4: yeah. <laughs> final thoughts jerry no i'm this this was great i think we really hit on kind of the purpose of this podcast and to, um, to try to bring uh, not only just information but some in, inspiration to entrepreneurs that are either already up and running or people that think they might want to do it or um i think this was great
2: oh you know what uh, and not to uh get the final word in here but i've been there i've done that and didn't know who to turn to or ask questions so if any of your listeners out there ever want to reach out to me i would be happy to Give them advice that. because there's no i hate i hated being in that position where i didn't know where to turn or the first call to make to find out what i should do or what direction um i I'd, I'd, I'd gladly offer that because you know you 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 want to help the ones that are you know yeah behind you and and i'm willing to do that
1: the real ones <laughs> how do they get a hold of you so if a guy just graduated high school how to uh, get in touch with you well Wef, website. I was going to put my email, or I was yeah. going to put
2: my phone number out there, but yeah. uh, just send me an email. You can send it to Brian B R I A N at unflooded.com and that's B R I A N U N F L O O D I T dot com. Nice. Yeah. There you go. Send me an email. Yeah. Or uh, reach out on the chat that's on, wherever this yeah. post comment or comment, yeah, we'll and get, yeah, I'll be in we'll touch. We'll get in
4: touch with Brian. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So. Right.
1: That's another episode of Between Two Bridges. Thanks, everybody.
2: Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Between Two Bridges, a business-to-business podcast. Find and follow us on your preferred podcast streaming platform. Like and subscribe, and leave us a rating and reveal. You can join us socially on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Yes, we still call it Twitter. You can email the show at info at twobridgespodcast.com. Until next time, make it till you rake it.